Science and virus and bears, oh my. Science and virus and bears, oh my. Let's talk current events on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone. This is Dr. Johnny, and today I get to wear my medical hat. For those who didn't catch that earlier in my podcast, I'm a medical physician and I have been family practice trained and working in the emergency department. really for over 20 years. And I want to offer you my perspective on something that has been dominating the headlines lately, and that is, of course, the coronavirus. It has been uh, uh, invasive in the headlines, even as we talk around the water cooler, our day-to-day life, and even the decisions that we make socially and as a culture. I'd like to offer you my perspective uh, today on this podcast uh, in regards to the coronavirus and perhaps even culturally what I feel might be even more dangerous than the virus itself. I'm going to get my information uh, today for this podcast from the CDC and the World Health Organization because it's important that we get accurate, up-to-date information when talking about something so emotionally charged as the coronavirus. Let me just give you a little bit of a background. I am going to give you some statistics, so try not to get too bored here at the beginning, but I think it's important that we lay a perspective uh, on what is happening in our culture today. Actually, today, uh, at the recording of this podcast, the uh, World Health Organization declared the coronavirus a pandemic. Uh, Let me just define that for you. An epidemic uh, usually is an outbreak that occurs over one or several communities. A pandemic implies that it is worldwide. Pandemic can also imply that it's uncontained or uncontrolled, and the World Health Organization uh, was actually a little reluctant to call it a pandemic because of what they're seeing more lately is actually what they call a flattening of the curve, where uh, the incidences and outbreaks are actually starting to show some decline, especially where it broke out in China. And so that is actually an encouraging uh, sign that there is starting to be some containment and control uh, to the virus. Let me just offer you a a historical perspective, just even in the last 20 years of outbreaks that have occurred. So as to explain to you that this is not a a, a new occurrence. Uh, In 2001, there was an anthrax uh, outbreak. 2002, West Nile. Uh, These are things that have occurred just in my practice over the last 20 years uh, that we've been giving been given alerts and uh, and uh, to uh, focus our attention on. 2002 was also the SARS outbreak, S A R S, and interestingly enough, that was a coronavirus. 2004 H3N2 influenza. Uh, 2009 was the H1N1, also a type of influenza that was, that was also considered pandemic. Uh, 2014. There was the MERS outbreak, M-E-R-S, and interestingly, 
also a coronavirus. 2014, we had an, an Ebola outbreak. In 2016, Zika, I'm sure many remember uh, that term being thrown around as well. We have had bird flu, swine flu, dog flu, horse flu, and of course the human flu. Uh, we just easily forget uh, when these things cycle through and pass. Sometimes we don't remember. Uh, but this is just another outbreak in a series of uh, viral uh, outbreaks and pandemics that do happen in human society. Uh let me give you an update on coronavirus. At the time of this recording, there have been 118,000 cases uh, and 4,300 deaths. Now, of the 118,000 cases, 80,000 of them have been in China. And as I mentioned earlier, that is starting to plateau and it's starting to decrease. I just read an article that there were only 24 new cases uh, yesterday uh, So in China. And so that's an encouraging sign. That's a very small amount. We are in the state of Minnesota, and it always seems like we're very isolated here in Minnesota. Uh, but again, at the time of this recording, uh, there have now been five cases in Minnesota, so it is starting to touch us as well. What I want to do, though, however, is give you perspective uh, of the coronavirus versus what's been happening every single year in regards to influenza. Uh, again, I'm an emergency room physician. I was on call two nights ago. I saw five cases of influenza, and I have been seeing that fairly regularly. Uh, so compared to the 118,000 cases of coronavirus, there are 45 million cases of influenza this year. That's 45 million, million with an M. 450,000 hospitalizations and a staggering 46 thousand deaths due to influenza that we see cycle through every single year. Last year, there were 35 million just Americans that were diagnosed with influenza. That's one out of every 10 American citizens contracted influenza. So the annual flu epidemic kills approximately 50,000 Americans and upwards of 1 million people worldwide every year. So is the mortality rate of the coronavirus higher than influenza? They've been telling that that has been the case, but let's consider this real quickly. And again, I don't want to bore you with the details, but just lean into this statistically. We have ready access to influenza uh, tests to determine whether you are influenza positive. It's been around for so long, we can test for it. Uh, we can check it quite easily. So we are e easily able to detect it. We, for coronavirus, have very limited resources as far as checking or detecting the virus itself. And so the ones who are getting tested tend to be the ones who are very sick or requiring hospitalization. So it actually does not account for the most likely millions of people over the, over the globe that actually had coronavirus have coronavirus and not even know it. It could just be a very simple, mild cold, which it is for about 80% of the people. So when we talk about mortality rates, we're talking about those who are being detected uh, and then eventually succumb or die to the disease itself. If we took influenza and we just took the ones who were sick or hospitalized, the mortality rate of influenza would be almost 
3 to 4% of coronavirus compared to the overall rate of influenza, which is just 2 to 3%. It seems like the coronavirus is more aggressive, but it most likely isn't. And we have to understand that uh, that the vast majority, even up to 80 to 90% of those who have had the coronavirus has been tested for it and eventually succumbed or died from it is in the country of China. And, and the country of China has less than ideal sanitation conditions. And so we have to keep that in perspective as well. But what I want to transition off of all the data and hard facts is that this might be less about sanitation and more about sanity. See, if we are to react to the flu epidemic the same way we are reacting to the coronavirus, then during the six months of the flu season from October through March of every year, we would all just stay home. No one would go to work, to school, to church, uh, to any type of public event. But see, we aren't afraid or hysterical about the flu. Even though what I've just proven to you is the flu is probably more serious and more prevalent every single year. In fact, if you have symptoms of a cough or cold, it's most likely you have the flu, not coronavirus. It's much more prevalent. So what is the cause of the hysteria or the fear connected with this particular strain of virus? And the answer is we fear the new and the unknown. See, I believe that this has become a fear pandemic. And it's fear that has fueled the hysteria. So let me quote the Bible. Anytime we talk about fear or hysteria, it's probably good to go to the word of God and see what it says. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, if that's true, then we have to realize that the spirit of fear isn't coming from God. It's coming from a different place. Just quoting a, a, a really good article uh, from Worth Media, uh, just, just released March 2nd, 2020. Let me just read this to you. It says, The vast number of people around the world who have been caught up in the mass hysteria, although stress is highly contagious and contributes to increased morbidity and mortality, including during fear pandemics. The excess deaths caused by the panic are not tracked by the CDC or the World Health Organization, nor are the potential deaths resulting from the disruptions caused by the extraordinary measures taken by people and governments around the world. Thus, it is impossible to ascertain the net difference of lives saved or lost by these extraordinary measures precipitated by the global panic. So if 2 Timothy 1.7 is true, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, then fear, by definition, gives us powerlessness, self-focus, and clouded judgment. We are powerless. We focus on ourselves. And we don't think clearly. That's what fear does to us and to our culture when we allow fear to actually mitigate 
and to actually uh, be, the, be the filter through which our decision processes take place. See, the opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. And I've heard it taught that faith is the currency of heaven. It's, it's, the, it's the means or the commerce by which heaven exchanges with us here on this earth. So you probably know where I'm heading with this. Fear is the currency of hell. It's the, it's the commerce or the interchange or the, the access that's gained through the enemy into our lives. When he speaks things that are out of proportion or precipitates fear and not sound thinking. So what happens when we have a fear pandemic? Well, there are practical things that happen, such as shortages. We've all seen pictures of bare shelves. But what about just simply supplies or, or let's use masks as an example. The World Health Organization and the public health officials have actually not recommended that people wear masks. Not super effective, and most people don't know how to wear them. But the ones who do know how to wear them are the health professionals that are taking care of these people who are critically ill. And if there are shortages, we actually uh, put people in danger, the ones who are actually involved in caring for others. If our medical professionals become ill, guess what? There's actually a shortage of human resource. My wife and I just saw, I believe on Facebook, a bare shelf of ice cream. <laughs> now, now, I can kind of respect that. The toilet paper, I don't quite understand. Hand sanitizer, maybe that makes a little bit of sense. But, but stocking up on ice cream, I got to admit, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's interesting, during fear pandemics, there's actually been a lot of research about how racism comes to the floor. See, coronavirus, my friends, is started by animals. Um, almost all coronavirus is animal related. And this strain of virus was most likely from bats in China. But you go on the internet and you will see a lot of wild stories and misconceptions about where this would begin. Hey, this isn't new. I just read a story that when the Black Death, the bubonic plague, first came to Europe, there were rumors in Switzerland that a Jewish guy had some sec secret recipe for a poison and he was putting it in the drinking wells. And it actually caused a series of attacks on Jewish communities. Racism actually increased. How many stories, if we're honest, have we read about some kind of sinister Chinese plan uh, to take over the world by wiping out the population through this virus? My friends... It's from bats. We see this every couple of years. The big long list I gave you. These are transmitted usually by animals and able to be propagated in a human host. I mentioned that this is science and virus and bears. What about the bears? Well, the stock market is actually a, an emotional gauge. The stock market has decreased and the question is, is it a bear market? A bear market usually implies a dramatic decrease in the stock market, but often bear markets, um, actually by definition, bear markets are triggered to recession. Well, our economy is actually humming right now. Our economy is very strong. And so the drop in the stock market is actually a direct reflection of the hysteria and the fear connected with the coronavirus. 
The stock market is an emotional <laughs> gauge of the cultural health, actually. And so on a side note, this is not what this podcast is about. It's actually a pretty decent time to invest when the stock market drops because of emotional reasons. It's kind of a good time to get in because I have every reason to believe and very confident that the stock market will simply jump right back up again. The economy is strong. What about rumors and misinformation? We talked a little bit about some of the racial uh, implications that pop up. But there was, an, there was an example even in 2014 with the Ebola outbreak in, in Western Africa that there was a, a rumor and misinformation that began to spread among the people that the treatment centers themselves were actually uh, a dangerous place and a place where people were actually contracting the, the uh, Ebola. And because of this, the, it was misinformation, but because of the misinformation, families did not take their family members to go get help, and they tried to care for them on their own. The family members then died, and the families got sick themselves. See, rumors and misinformation causes problems and actually causes a public health danger, which leads me, of course, to what I believe is the biggest impetus of a fear pandemic. And that is the invention over the last 25 years of the internet. See, coronavirus memes and baseless conjectures that we can find on the internet, I believe, is actually uh, more dangerous and is actually the real virus. It's spreading information and creating mass hysteria and even deadly panics. I heard a quote that says, people will relentlessly and even delusionally mine for information that fits their fearful narrative. It's actually a condition known as folie à plaisir. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. It means madness of several. Once we get a narrative in our mind, we can go on the internet and we can pretty much find anything to actually support the narrative. When actually what we need to do is actually mine the truth. Find out what is really happening. Get real perspective especially when something like this happens. And what about the media? See, my friends, the media unfortunately does not have a reputation about mining the truth and propagating truth. And simply put, headlines that keep something like the coronavirus in perspective doesn't sell a lot. But panic and hysteria and wild headlines, it sells better. The sky is falling, the sky is falling, tends to create better print than sometimes the sobering truth. Now let me be super clear about this. I put on my doctor's hat for this podcast. It's not to say that the coronavirus is not serious. But it's time that we approach it with a sound mind. The Spirit of the Lord, and we, again, as Christian families, we set the culture. So the Spirit of the Lord in us actually gives us a sound mind so that we can rationally approach these, these problems that concern us in life. And we can approach it with a sound mind and the wisdom of experts that the Lord has given us to actually create a, a clear thought process regarding some of these things so that we aren't part of the hysteria. We aren't part of the fear pandemic, but we're actually the solution to it. 
That's what we're called to be because we're the culture setters. So what is the recommendation from the experts? Well, it's a course that people should wash their hands, stay home if they're sick, and keep away from crowds, especially the high-risk people, which is the elderly, immunocompromised, or the very young. So there are some common sense things that we can do to help prevent not only us getting the disease, but spreading the disease as well. But don't make any life decisions from a place of fear. We tell this to our children all the time. If you're going to make a decision, don't push it through a filter of fear, but of a sound mind. Rational education in combination with the Holy Spirit allows us to to operate with a sound mind. So just from a segue standpoint and what I'll be talking about in the next podcast, I have a question for you. Despite all of the hysteria, if today we had a coronavirus vaccine, would people even take it? See, despite the incredible statistics I talked about influenza, less than 50% of the people in America get the flu vaccine. So next podcast, I want to have a real conversation about vaccination. Let's get the facts about the vax. So I like talking about these things because I am hoping and expecting for these topics to create conversation and generate questions. So please leave comments and questions. You can go to our YouTube page, leave comments there on the iTunes podcast, or preferably visit gofam.org and click on the media tab that will bring you to my pushback page. And you can leave comments, questions. I've even had people leave topics for for future podcasts. And I would love to entertain those and see what I can do about bringing some real relevant information to you. And again, you don't have to agree with me, but I would value your input. It's so important because this is about cultural change. And for cultural change to happen, we have to have real conversations. Not angry conversations, not insulting conversations, but real conversations about the things that are affecting us and our families each and every day. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, to our iTunes podcast, or sign in at our website where you can get regular information, updates, and event information about what we're offering through GoFam Ministries. So again, check out GoFam.org. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope I gave you some perspective on on what's happening in this world today. So now let's go together and shape the culture. 